0: A sound so familiar, 17 years in the making, and it can only mean one thing. The cicadas are back. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story.
1: What we're looking for is a sign for the big emergence when you see literally hundreds of these things coming out of the ground.
0: But here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to greater Cincinnati.
1: At Mount St. Joe, which you know, we, we are right on the flight path into CVG. Uh, the cicadas will be louder than the jets flying overhead.
0: I'm Stephen Albritton and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, in a matter of weeks, Billions of cicadas will rise from the ground and take over the Midwest with greater Cincinnati right in the heart of their arrival. We're talking with Mount St. Joseph's professor, Dr. Gene Kritsky, about what to expect with their arrival, the biblical past of these insects, and how you can get involved with new discoveries in these 17-year wonders. Doctor, you know, we're talking about the cicadas. First off, what, what is a cicada? Just take us through what, it is, what it, they are in the surface.
1: Certainly, periodical cicadas are sucking insects that belong to, you'd be technical, belong to the insect order Hemiptera, which include things like bed bugs and aphids and tree hoppers and stink bugs. Within the uh, uh, order Hemiptera, there is a family Cicadidae, which is the family of cicadas. And uh, the cicada, and, 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 they're all, they're, you know, In Ohio, for example, there are 20 species of cicadas and 22 spe- uh, species and subspecies, if you include those. And uh, uh, people often will t- to say to me, well, we get these cicadas every year. Well, those are the non-periodical cicadas, the annual cicadas that come out in July through October and they're a little bigger and they're green and black and brown and they've got a sort of flat face. Not the periodical cicadas that come out much earlier in the year, but once every 17 years.
0: So well, why is that? Why why brood X? Why why is this group unique for the 17 years?
1: Well, what's uh, and and, and it's brood X is actually brood 10. It's a Roman numeral, um, and although I will admit, uh, uh, brood X sounds sexier.
0: <laughs> yes, it
1: does. <laughs> it sounds more more mysterious.
0: Oh yeah, People <laughs> people expecting brood X, here they come.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, well, Brood 10 is uh, was first seen in 1715 in Philadelphia, and it occurs in 15 eastern states, and many of those states include large metropolitan areas such as Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Indianapolis, uh, Louisville whether they come out just West of Nashville, they come out East of Knoxville and North of and South of Chattanooga. So there's a lot of metropolitan areas involved. And especially in the uh, late 18th and 19th centuries, there were a lot of entomologists in Baltimore and in the Baltimore, Washington area. And because of that, a lot of what we know about periodical scales comes from brood 10. And so we have a lot of background data. Uh, We have uh, maps that go back to the um, good maps that go back to 1902 for the entire country, outstanding state maps that go back to the 1880s. Uh, For example, in Ohio here, we've known about Brood 10 since 1817. And so because of that longstanding history, but mostly because a lot of the scientists who were living in these metropolitan areas, took notice and wrote about it and recorded it. And uh, if they weren't scientists, there were newspapers in these areas that would take people's comments and say, the locusts are here. They used to be called locusts in the uh, uh, 17th and 18th centuries. And uh, they would get all, all distressed about uh, uh, these, these locusts and newspapers report them. Uh, some of the, the research I've been doing for 45 years now is mining historical records. Going back into the, going to the libraries. And one of the great things that's happened in the last few years is the Library of Congress has put out a a, web, a, a a search engine called Chronicling America, in which they've been digitizing newspapers from the late 1700s to 1963. And you can type in there cicadas. You might not find anything. Type in locusts and you find hundreds of articles. And so it's a matter of knowing the terms, knowing what years you should be looking for uh, and uh, uh, what cities might have them that have big newspapers and and so it's it's like really it's it's for me it's fun to find a new record that i hadn't seen before
0: yeah and it's interesting you bring that up you know if you know they see these swarms of unknown bugs that they would have that biblical tie to them thinking that this might be a locust swarm coming that's really interesting
1: and that goes back, uh, it's sort of interesting, uh, uh, I'll, I'll even, uh, it's a shameless plug, but my new book, periodical Skate is the Brood 10 edition, uh, was published by the Ohio Biological Survey just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's uh, it includes a history of Brood 10. And the very first record of Brood 10 was uh, described by a Reverend uh, Andreas Sandel in Philadelphia. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll give you a brief passage. Uh, May, written May 9th, uh, 1715. He wrote, in this month, some singular flies came out of the ground. The English call them locusts. When they left the ground, holes could be seen everywhere in the roads, especially in the woods. They were then encased in shells out of which they crawled. It seemed most wonderful how being covered with the shell, they were able to burrow their way out of the hard ground. When they began to fly, they made a peculiar noise and being found in great multitudes all over the country, their noise made the cowbells inaudible in the woods. They were also destructive, making slits in the bark of trees where they deposited their worms. Swine and poultry ate them, but was more astonishing. When they first appeared, some people split them open and ate them, holding them to be the same kind as those said to have been eaten by John the Baptist. And of course, the the, the you know, John the Baptist lived on locust on, on locusts and honey. And, and indeed, there's a lot of uh, discussion now that he was actually eating locusts, the carob tree, which is called locust, not the insect. And so uh, it has to do with uh, misinterpretation of uh, of uh, the the original Latin and Greek, and then try and then Tyndall's Bible and the what have you. And uh, so we may have the, that may be an incorrect assumption, but that led to people eating locusts. But also, uh, it talks in Micah how uh, there are these these uh, insects that make a loud call. These things from the call. There's a, a passage in Revelation where they come from depths in the ground. These things come out of the ground. They've got to be locusts, it seems like.
0: Wow, it's it's fascinating how it all can kind of uh, tie together over hundreds and hundreds of years. That's really, really interesting. So uh, back to uh, the insects specifically, you know, take us through the life cycle because we're sitting here on uh, March 17th. We're, you know, call it about five, six weeks away from probably possibly seeing these. So what's the life cycle of these cicadas? What can people expect there?
1: Sure. What we're going to be seeing is the adult stage of the periodical cicadas. And uh, to take people through the whole process, we should start looking for signs. I call them cicada signs. It's almost like a whaling ship. Ah, oh, there'll be whales here. They see the, the, the plume of, uh, of water going on in mid to late April. Uh, after a really heavy April shower, uh, look under your deck, if you've got a deck. Uh, look I, under- well,
0: outside of my house, so looking forward to
1: that. <laughs> you might see little turrets or chimneys, little mud piles that are three to 12 inches tall. And what they are, are extensions of the cicada tunnel. Uh, we have such soil around here, which has a lot of clay in it. And that, as the cicadas move up and down, that clay tunnel gets really smooth. And if it rains heavily, it starts filling up with water faster than it can drain out. And so the cicadas will crawl to the top and extend it by balling up little bits of mud and extending that tunnel. When the water drains out, they go back down again, but the tunnels, the, the little chimneys, excuse me, stay behind. So that's, that'll happen in late April, uh, early to mid May to late April after a heavy rain shower. Then the next thing we watch for are these isolated holes about the size of a, of a fat Sharpie pen. Uh, that you might see in in bare spots in your yard, one or two or three. cicadas may be popping up once in a while, but but what we're looking for is a sign for the big emergence when you see literally hundreds of these things coming out of the ground. And that happens when the soil temperature reaches 64 degrees Fahrenheit and Usually the, the, the evening after a nice soaking rain that softens things up, they, they really pop when that happens. And that uh, usually happens after the second day that we hit the 80s as a high temperature. Uh, temperature of the air, the soil takes a lot longer to warm up than the air does. And so, uh, and you can guesstimate the soil temperature if you go to the, the web, my, my website, cicadasafari.org. Uh, you can, uh, uh, there's a formula there you can use to figure out what the soil temperature would be. But you can also take a soil throw, uh, temperature probe in, into the ground and uh, uh, measure it directly about four inches down. 64 degrees Fahrenheit, soaking rain, they start coming out. That usually happens, uh, it depends on when we, where we were in our history. In greater Cincinnati before 1950, that happened late May. Since 1950, especially the last 50 years, that's sort of happening around now mid-May, and that's a sign of, of increasing temperatures they are coming up two weeks earlier in the year, which isn't surprising because if you go to a garden center and they have that map of the of the planting zones, you'll see that the southern zones are moving northward of what our ideal plants. So that's gonna, I expect that to happen this year, somewhere between May 12th and May 16th, if it's a typical year. Two weeks ago, we didn't have a typical snow. So, a, <laughs> a, a colleague once said, "You know, it's usual to have unusual weather." So, so there has to be a little asterisk by there. Um, they start coming out on that. The, the first ones, come, the first ones start coming out. Uh, uh, as I said, soil temperature sixty-four degrees, nice rain, and then they'll start coming out every night for about a two-week period. You have large numbers coming out. After about two weeks, the numbers coming out of the ground will start to d- d- dwindle because most most of them have already emerged. The first ones that, that emerge, they're gonna, a lot of them will be eaten by birds, dogs, cats, raccoons, predators, even people once in a while, like like the people in Philadelphia in 1715, uh, and and but that's part of their whole survival strategy. They come out in numbers that are so large that they overwhelm their predators. They get eat, and eat, and eat, and you know how much how many cicadas can a little bird's stomach hold? <laughs> it's not going to be a lot. That there are still millions of them left. And that 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 overall predator satiation which is which is is, is critical to that survival now the cicadas that come out in the later in the summer and in the fall the the green ones and the black eyes you'll hear them calling but you don't see them they're cryptically up in the trees it's hard to see them up there you'll see these guys <laughs> they're going to come out in big numbers their red eyes are going to be right there in front they're going to be Rocking and rolling, just to, that's part of it. They that's their whole survival strategy. Um, so that that rollout will take about two weeks. Then they'll still be a dwindled. Now the average cicada, if they don't get eaten right away, could live up to about a month. So we're looking if they come out around the fifteenth, sixteenth of May. Most of them will be gone by the end of June. It takes about six weeks for them to run the full course. For the they they the, the, that if they start coming out the 16th, they'll be coming out the 16th through the 30th, and then they last about a month. So you can see you just see how that tracks out. That'll be the uh, the uh, uh, the major signs that we see. Of course, when they do come out after about three four days after they start emerging, you're saw hearing the singing. And that'll become deafening. Uh, I have measured it at 96 decibels in west uh, in west side of Cincinnati.
0: 96 decibels. That, that like rivals a lawnmower. I feel like.
1: Oh <laughs> or, yeah, but uh, loud at, at Mount Saint Joe, which you know we we are right on the flight path into CVG. Uh, the cicadas will be louder than the jets flying overhead. Wow, that's incredible. It's it's, it's 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 really cool. And of course, what what's going on with the singing is the males are, well, they're trying to get dates. <laughs> 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 and uh, a males gathering trees. Uh, they have a mating call, but uh, the, they, they have a little sound producing structure called the Timbal. It's right behind the, right in the first abdominal segment under the wings. You, you lift the wings back and actually see that. And uh, they, they they have a call, and a lot of males gather in one tree, and if you remember the emergence from before, the loudness will get really loud, and then it sort of softens a little bit. They get, It sort of like undulates in the, in the intensity. Uh, that's because if a male sings, and he's not been successful at tra- attracting the attention of a female, He'll get tired of that. and He'll fly to another branch or another tree. Uh, if the female does respond to the male, she doesn't respond by singing. She does not have an apparatus to sing, but she does flick her wings. And the male will hear that, turns, looks at her. He'll sing again. If she flicks, they get closer. And and, and another variation of the mating call occurs. And then they eventually mate. uh, uh following that process while they're mating in the trees, uh, other males will be singing all around and what have. There's a lot of competition for this. Sometimes a male will compete with another male by singing and, and the female responds in the mating call at a particular moment. And a second male will start singing just before that moment occurs in the first male song, so that the female doesn't know which male to respond to. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's very similar to a, 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 I've never been to one, but I, I hear it's very similar to a singles bar.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a, a, what, a 15 state singles bar uh, filled with these cicadas. <laughs> all right, this, this is what we all want to hear. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you kind of touched on the sound. It's going to be loud. It's kind of what people remember. You know, a, some people, um, they, may not, they may have forgotten and they need a reminder, the interaction with humans, with these cicadas, they are harmless.
1: They are harmless. They don't bite. They don't sting. Uh, they're fascinating individuals. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things you can do with your kids with them. Uh, again, cicadasafari.org. We've got activities, things like cicadas, they can color, fold an origami cicada, how you can study the uh, the, the tunnels and things like that. In, in, interview your grandparents about cicada mergers they've seen. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of fun. These are bugs of history they are generational events they occur once every 17 years and if if, if uh, have you experienced a cicada emergence
0: yes i went to ball state university so what oh four was when they were last that was so very
1: good that was yeah, brutal I, yeah i remember so, seeing them david letterman's all album water yes sir. <laughs> <laughs> excellent uh well uh, you were in college then i take it mm-hmm. at yes. that time all yes, right. Sir. So, did you see one, ever see one before that when you were a little kid?
0: I remember vaguely way back when. I remember going to a park when, uh, gosh, that probably.
1: But yeah, where'd you, where'd you live at the
0: time? Uh, around Indianapolis. Okay. It would have been 1987. Oh, so I was two then. So I don't two remember then. that one. It,
1: if if you were two then it, it wasn't there was brood fourteen that came out that would have been in uh, nineteen ninety one. You'd have been uh, six.
0: Okay, so yeah, that's that's probably what I remember then because I was okay. only two in eighty yeah. seven. So I but nice. I remember I remember going to a park and co- with some friends of mine and collecting massive amounts of shells and you know I'm you know four five, six, whatever it might be and not knowing what these bugs were. I just remember seeing these little brown. You know, broken open yeah. shells spread all they're over really species. cool aren't they yes. <laughs> you can yes, collect they them are. they're
1: free that's what <laughs> we did <laughs> that's exactly what we did <laughs> oh excellent great you know there's a lot of there's a lot of information in shells uh that uh, it's uh, that, that that you can find you can sex them and there are three species of periodical cicadas that will all emerge at the same time and you can tell the large species from the smaller to the two smaller species very easily by just sort of lining them up and getting separated by size and you'll get an idea about uh what's the more you know what's the 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 species ratio. One species uh, is relatively rare compared to the other one. You might see it maybe five, 10% of the time, but you can get an overall as to which uh, idea of which is the dominant species by looking at the shells. If you start collecting the shells, the very first day they start emerging, they're almost all gonna be males. And then after about a week, you'll get more and more females. Over the course of the next week. So there's a lot of, for parents who need to know this, there's science fair projects in there. (laughs) You go out and collect shells, keep them by date. When the science fair is coming around in the spring, you're, You're golden. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's great. Uh, uh, Dr. Gene Kriske joining us on the Beyond the Studio podcast. Uh, So I I can really hear the excitement in your voice for, you know, what's to come. I mean, yeah, every every 17 years, you know, this brood, uh, brood 10, brood X comes out. So just kind of, you know, wrap wrap this up for us. You know, there's excitement in this. There's uh, science to this. And it's just something that people can, you know, not fear it you know, it might be annoying at times, but at some point you kind of have to embrace what's going on with the ecosystem in our own backyards.
1: That's right. What, what I, what, what they can do is also help me with my research. Uh, cicada safari is a free phone app to help us map out brood 10 and all they have to, it's available for the iPhone and the and Android phones. And, uh, it'll uh, encourage you to download this app uh, and, and go out and do your own go on your own cicada safari, get your kids out there, go on a cicada safari. You see an adult cicada, you photograph it and send it. You submit it immediately right from that point. It'll be examined by, uh, by parataxonomous students of mine that have uh, we've trained identify cicadas. If it's verified that it is a periodical cicada, it goes onto a live map. And you'll be able to look on the, on the app and watch how the cicadas will start emerging in Northern Georgia. And as the spring moves north, into May, you'll see it move up into the distribution area. The photographs are archived because the photographs show that that's where periodical cicadas are. And we're really interested in that because believe it or not, in 1919, the USDA issued press releases saying that Brood 10, may go extinct. And my research with my undergraduate advisor and my research since he passed has found evidence that indeed brood 10 is getting less intense in parts of its distribution. Northwestern Ohio, about uh, almost half of the counties that had periodical skaters of brood 10, a hundred years ago, only half of them have them now. And those that do, they're widely scattered and sparse here and there. So what we're trying to do is get a really good baseline. And uh, <clears throat> I'm being uh, I'm being joined by by colleagues from uh, the University of Connecticut, University of Maryland, University of Tech Tennessee, the University of uh, Kentucky. We've got involved now, uh, Purdue University, the Indiana Academy of Science, the Ohio Biological Survey, uh, all involved with mapping out these cicadas using this app. And we're hoping that we get inundated with photographs to get the best map ever. And so uh, uh, if if people would like, and and in the past when I made this appeal to people in greater Cincinnati, they've, they've allowed us to make major discoveries, for example, in uh, 2001, it was uh, an email from a, uh, of somebody from greater Cincinnati that led to the discovery of a 13 year brood in Southwest Ohio, a brood that had been not even recognized for well over a century. And it was because I think of my friends here in greater Cincinnati as part of my lab team. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the, we need a lot of boots on the ground. And with this with this free app, uh, we're able to make, we already made several major discoveries just with brood nine last year in this app. So. Uh, it, Going forward, it would be great. The the app has information about cicada biology, how to identify them, uh, what to look for, how to submit, comparing the distributions uh, as it occurs in real time. Uh, basically, as you look forward to the brood 10s emergence, participate in it, participate. help us map it, monitor it, follow the entire process.
0: Yeah, and like you said, there's, science for you know months and science experiments science projects we can do dr gene kritsky author of periodical cicadas brood x edition also go to cicadasafari.org where you can find all this information and i'm sure links to your book as well uh doctor Mm -hmm. thank you so much for taking time for us on the beyond the studio podcast we really do
1: appreciate it it's been a pleasure
0: a link to the website to get involved in this year's Cicada Safari and all things Brute X can be found down in the show notes. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albrighton. Thanks for listening.
1: We've all seen it. That check engine light in our car. Do I check it now? Check it later? Can I keep driving? That one light doesn't tell you what you need to know. And if you get your weather from a symbol on your phone, you're not getting the full story. WLWT Weather has the only certified most accurate forecast in Cincinnati. It's where you get the difference-making details. You'll know exactly what to expect and when, so you can plan your day. WLWT Weather, Cincinnati's certified most accurate forecast.